Turn with me this evening, if you would please, to Galatians, the sixth chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand high. Let's all turn to Galatians chapter 6. And believe with me, if you would please, for utterance tonight and ears to hear. And in fact, let's just uh, let's pray a prayer of agreement together. I'll lead you and you can agree in your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we present ourselves before you here tonight. And I acknowledge and these people acknowledge I'm not the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And we're asking you to give all of us eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that understands. We don't want to hear from each other and see each other. We want to hear from you and we want to see you. And we're asking for it. Utterance, precise and exact. Revelation, light and a quickening of your spirit. Your presence manifested. The gifts of the spirit in operation. The moving of your angels and your spirit in our midst tonight and after we leave from here and go back home and go our ways for the word to continually work mightily in us, producing life changing results. We ask for it. We believe for it. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen means so be it. So be it unto me. In Galatians 6. Are you there? Galatians 6 and verse uh, 7, it says, Be not deceived, God's not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. What will you reap? What you sowed. He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You know, so many times when you hear that uh, that verse, uh, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. A whole lot of time is said or quoted or received with a negative feeling. Whatever you've sown, that's what you're going to reap. And people go, ooh. <laughs> well, your response should only be that if you've sown some really bad stuff and that's all you've sown. If we're doing what we ought to be doing and we, somebody says, whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap, we ought to go, glory to God. Woo. Huh? Because if you've sown good things, you're going to reap some good things. Anybody in here sown some good stuff? Well, he said you can reap that. So what else did it say in the next verse? He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So be it good or bad, flesh or spirit, you reap what you sow. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let us not be weary in well-doing, in doing good, doing what's right. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. And doing the good thing. For in due season. Now that's almost always later. Than your flesh wants it to be. This is a word. Your flesh does not want to hear. Wait. Doesn't even want to hear soon. It likes now. Now. (laughs) And all you got to do is look at society. As technology has advanced. 
one of the main ways it's applied is in avoiding a weight. Huh? Man, we got instant this and instant that and drive through and microwave everything. And as technology advances, that's the first place it's applied is to cut down our wait time. And some of that's okay, but uh, what my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, was, he, he said this ever since I heard him and knew him. He's, and I know it's not good English, but you've already heard some poor English tonight. Uh, <laughs> he said, God don't have no instant pudding. God, he doesn't have any instant pudding. If God has pudding, it's the real thing. It's not some dehydrated, just add water. I, you know, I think a, a lot of folks don't even really know how to cook anymore. They've become dependent on all the shortcuts. I know my grandma, I used to come in home from school. Oh, we had, had one of the best grandmas. She'd be ready for us when we got off the school bus. And a lot of times it was fresh tea cakes. Now, fresh tea cakes, I'm not talking about a mix. There were no microwaves. I'm talking about fresh eggs. I'm talking about starting from scratch with flour. Right? And rice pudding on some days we had. Oh, yeah. Chicken and dumplings. And I'm not talking about you went to the freezer to pull the dumplings out. You make them by scratch. You roll them up. And when they'd ask her, you know, well, what's the recipe? It's a pinch of this. It's a dab of this. <laughs> right? Well, you know, in our drive through microwave world, people want to do that to the, the things of God. And it just doesn't work. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, right? They that wait on him. And so to reap the benefits of serving the Lord and and to see the results, you've got to put your flesh under and quit being in such a rush and such a haste. And you will reap in due season if, come on, are you looking at that verse? If what? Why would people faint? Well, they get antsy and they, they get tired of waiting and they get tired of doing the good thing. They get weary in doing what the Lord told them to do and they want to know, why hasn't it already happened and why don't we already have this and why haven't we already seen this? And, and they get disillusioned and they get annoyed and they get discouraged and they quit. And if you do that, you won't reap because you will reap in due season what? If, if we faint not. I want to begin speaking this evening on a series I'm calling How to Harvest. How to Harvest. Are you interested in this? Go to the book of Genesis, please. Go to the book of Genesis, please. And the eighth chapter. Some things have become increasingly clear to me in recent times, the last 
couple of years, that there is some incorrect thinking in our circle, so-called word people, so-called faith people, when it comes to our sowing and our reaping, our giving, our receiving, that there's been an, a lot of emphasis on one part of this and hardly any emphasis on the rest of it. And we believe strongly in sowing and reaping around here. You know that. You, you've heard it uh, from the beginning. And we believe strongly that God's a good God. And he wants you blessed. He wants your needs met. He'll do great and good things for you. He'll, he'll do things that uh, just meet your desires. Mm-hmm. Things you don't have to have. He gives us richly uh-huh. all things to enjoy, yes. the scripture said. But there's part of this, I think, has not been emphasized like it needs to be. And so I want us to go into it. I want you to believe with me like we've already prayed for utterance. And one thing I'm excited about is I believe there's some folks that have not been reaping off of what they've sown. And they've not been harvesting what we can and should. And I believe the Lord's going to help us. He's going to show us what to change, what to quit doing, what to start doing, so we can begin to reap. We can begin to harvest. Sit out loud, Lord, show me. me. Teach me me. how to harvest. harvest. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. First of all, let's, let's cover this in Genesis 8. I want us to be assured of this principle. In Genesis 8, this is after the flood that Noah and his house were spared from. And I'm sure that they were, you know, after experiencing something like that, uh, put yourself in their shoes. After seeing the whole world deluged. I mean, there was, there was part of the time when nothing was above water. And experiencing all that time in the ark and then coming out and realizing there's nobody else left except us. After that, if you heard it thunder, (laughs) or if you begin to feel some sprinkles of rain, you might be tempted to be afraid. But the Lord did some outstanding things for them to comfort them. He put his bow, the rainbow, is God's personal bow. That's the bow that's around his throne that he sits on. He set his bow in the uh, clouds. And somebody said, well, that's just uh, because of the horizon of the earth and it's a refraction of light because of the changes in the atmosphere with vapor. Well, yeah, there's a way it happens. (laughs) But who caused all of that to come together to produce that result? It's amazing how stupid some educated people are. Well, you might think, well, that's harsh, Brother Keith. Well, the Bible is uh, stronger yet. It says the man or woman that says in their heart there's no God is a fool. 
No, it's, it's, don't let some people intimidate you with their so-called scientific evidence. Well, sure, there's a way to follow how something happens, but ask the big question, how did it start? Where did it come from? And you can only find those answers in this book. But after that God put that bow in the clouds and uh, he's comforting them that this is not going to happen anymore. Never again will the earth be destroyed by a flood, by a deluge. Next time it's going to melt <laughs> with fervent heat. Somebody said, do you believe in global warming? No, I believe in global melting. The elements of the planet are going to melt with fervent heat. It's all in here. Exactly how this earth is going to, the current earth is going to end. And, and God's going to recreate it. It's going to be new heavens and new earth. New atmosphere. And in the new heaven and earth, there will be no curse. Ooh, we, we've never been in an earth like that before. No curse. The Bible says the lion will lie down with the lamb. There'll be animals won't kill each other in nature anymore. You can run through the jungle and not step on anything sharp or poisonous. We've never been on the planet like that before. It's going to be amazing. And soon and very soon, we're going to experience all that. Because we're his kids. And he's training us right now to rule and reign with him forever. Mm. It has not dawned on us what it means to be a child of God. But we're going to find out. And in comforting them, he told them in this 8th chapter and the uh, uh, 22nd verse, 8.22, he says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat, that's why we can't believe too much against these hot days. Can we believe that it'll never get hot again? Can we believe that it'll never get cold again? Not till the Lord fixes everything. He told us, you're going to have hot days, you're going to have cold times. And that's why and people say, well, you know, a man is changing the earth so much that, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the place where we'll not have cold weather anymore. Never happen. The Lord said we will always have it. We will always have these changes and these, these swings in temperature. And we'll always have summer. We'll always have winter. We'll always have day. We'll always have night. But I want you to notice, he said, as long as the earth remains, that's going to happen. Listen to the uh, New Living Translation. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. God's Word Translation says, as long as the earth exists, planting and harvesting, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never stop. The, uh, ease, the basic Bible, BBE, says while the earth goes on, seed time and the getting in of the grain, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not come to an end. Finally, in the easy to read, he says it like this, as long as the earth continues, there will always be a time for planting and a time for harvest. And cold, hot, summer, winter, day and night on the earth. This is a, a 
principle that will remain as long as this earth remains. And it is an all-inclusive principle. The principle of sowing and reaping. Of seed time and harvest. Now I've heard more than one preacher, more than one so-called educated theologian, people that were uh, experts supposedly in their denomination, condemn and find fault and mock people like me and others who talk about sowing and reaping during offerings and during other times. But you wonder how they can say that when there is so much in the Bible on sowing and reaping. Everything on this planet that is alive, has any life in it, operates that way. Right? You and I are here because of human seed. Right? Everything you ate today. Right? Every plant, every animal is produced and reproduced because God has created seed. And even though we've grown up with this, and it seems just like normalcy, if you had never seen a seed before, and somebody showed you one and said, do you see that 200 foot tall cedar? And they said, yes. And they said, one of those is in here. They'd go, what? And if they could show you animal seed under the microscope and you said, you see that 2,000 pound bull? Yeah. One of those is in there. What? In that little seed? It is a miracle. I said it is a miracle that all the genetic information I mean, we take it for granted. We've been around it all our life. But I want you to know it is one of the greatest miracles we could ever talk about. Isn't it? And the Lord has taught us that everything in this world operates by this principle. And that this principle will operate no matter what comes and goes. This principle will operate as long as this earth exists. And that everything down here produces after its own kind of seed. Which is the death nail to thinking people about godless evolution. Never do you plant tomatoes and get corn. (laughs) You know, everything produces after its own kind. And even though people have tried to say it, you know, birds don't turn into fish. And humans don't turn into trees. Or vice versa. No. The reason we exist is God's God created us and the seed that had us in it. And not only is there physical seed, there's spiritual seed. Spiritual seed. And Jesus is the seed. And it was prophesied about him. Unless the seed falls into the ground and dies. It remains alone. But if it falls into the ground and dies. It produces much fruit. 
And Jesus is the holy seed come down from heaven. The word made flesh. And that God allowed that seed to be planted and to die. And the devil thought that was it. That was the end. Destruction. Oh, but God is the God of resurrection. He is the God who causes the seed to germinate and come to life underneath the ground and push up through the soil and push out a twig and a leaf and first the blade and then the ear and then the full corn in the ear and one little kernel of corn becomes hundreds of kernels of corn. Come on, are you listening? And one seed of the Word of God has become millions of believers all over this planet. And we have been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Some people have mocked us by us saying we're Word people. Oh, but friend, the living Word, heaven and earth will pass away, but that Word will never pass away. And when we read these scriptures and the anointing is on them and we hear them and we receive them, Holy, eternal, incorruptible seed is getting inside of us. And it can get down in the soil of our heart. And it can put roots down. And it can eventually produce fruit up and out in this life. Every good thing, how many testify? Every good thing that has happened in your life has been the result of him putting that seed of the word inside you. And maybe it didn't all happen in a week or two, but over time, it changed you. It changed your life. It has produced wonderful and amazing things. Would you like to know how to harvest more? (laughs) Harvest more than we have been. Me too. We're believing together, right? Do you believe in God? I know it's very likely that you do, you being in church tonight with me and everything. But it's not an unnecessary question. Do we believe in God? Yes. Do we believe He has instituted this principle in His creation of seed time and harvest, of sowing and reaping? Do we believe it is all inclusive? It's in everything that we do, everything that we have to do with. Yes. Is it true, not just naturally, but is it true spiritually? Certainly it was true. There was spiritual before there was natural. And what has come into this natural realm existed first in a realm we cannot see. Go with me to Proverbs, if you would, please. The 10th chapter. Proverbs 10. In Proverbs 10, let's look at verse... uh, Four. Proverbs 10, 4 says, He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. Is that scripture just as true as other scriptures? But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. To say it's not God's will for some to be rich is also to say it's not God's will for some to be diligent. Because according to this, diligence moves you towards being rich. 
And the fifth verse, he that gathers in summer is a wise son, but he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. Let me read these verses to you from some other translations in the the New Century Version, the NCV. It says, New Century, a lazy person will end up poor. Everybody say that out loud. A lazy person will end up poor. What if they make a lot of good confessions? Will that negate this verse? What if they sow a lot of seed? Can you sow enough seed and make enough confessions to ignore this verse? So we're already having fun, aren't we? I mean, can you feel the excitement throughout the crowd? Is this true or not? A lazy person will end up poor, but a hard worker, a diligent man, woman, can become rich. Will become rich. Man, we can use this scripture. You roll out of bed and you hit it and you stay after it all day. You've got scripture that says you'll become rich. Did I make this up? In the fifth verse, it says, those who gather crops on time are wise, but those who sleep through the harvest are a disgrace. In the uh, complete Jewish Bible, complete Jewish Bible says, idle hands bring poverty, diligent hands bring wealth. A sensible person gathers in summer, but he who sleeps during harvest is an embarrassment. Can you sleep through harvest? Now, we're going to deal with some things that need to be dealt with. Do you want to know how to harvest? There have been and and are, it's more common than not, even among word and faith circles, some incorrect assumptions and presumption. And the idea has been left that if you just put enough money in the offering and sow enough seeds and make enough confessions, you will prosper. And that is not the whole story. That is part of it. I'm going to go over on this side and and talk about it for a little while. (laughs) There is a presumption widely held through much of the, you know, a lot of people don't even believe in prosperity that go to church. So you got that to deal with. But then among the people who do, And who do believe in sowing and reaping. And who do believe in faith and confessions. Among many of these. The consensus is that. You sow your seeds. You make your confessions. And the rest is up to God. And this is not true. That you you sow your seeds. If you'll sow offerings. And you'll make plenty of confessions. That's all there is to it. You will reap amazing harvests and and great things will come on your life. And that's all there is to it. 
But you don't have to look around too far to see people that are giving, 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 confessing, 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 and they are behind and they're hurting. And I'm not talking about just for a few days. I'm talking about year after year. So something's not right. Does the word work or not? So if we're not seeing results, how many would agree it's not God's fault? And it's not a problem with the word. It's a problem with our understanding or our doing, right? Now we've already prayed. Are you believing with me? And we believe in the Lord to show us. We're already getting into it. Here's the question the Lord asked me some 15 or so years ago. I was flying back one night on a commercial airliner from a meeting where I'd been. I was looking out the window and I was meditating on some of these things because I, I wasn't satisfied that something was bugging me about this. Because all you, all we had heard and most of the time, in most places, all you hear is, you know, give and make confessions. And the Lord asked me this question. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, as I'm looking out the window, he asked me, he said, is reaping automatic? Is reaping automatic? That if you sow and make confessions, you will reap. Is reaping automatic? What do you think? Is reaping automatic? Is it so that if you sow, if you give, you will reap a harvest? Automatic. Is it true in the natural? Uh, according to Proverbs 10 here, you can sleep right through harvest time. True or not? In the natural, is that true? That it's possible that people could plant crops and God rain on it and, and have the perfect conditions and great soil and have a 30, 60, 100 fold crop hanging on the stalks, on the plants. Will the harvest come off the vine, off the stalk, and go to the barn by itself? Are you sure? Does it ever do it? Sometimes. Never. If somebody doesn't go out and pick it, right? Or drive the combine, or if somebody doesn't go out and take it in and receive it in, it will not be harvested. In fact, whole crops have been lost because of failure for somebody to take the responsibility to go get it in. And is it work to get it in? You ever been on a farm? Oh, brother, I grew up on a farm. I mean, one of the busiest times of the year, one of the longest days and hardest work, hardest work on your body, hardest work on your tractors and your machinery and everything else. When it's time to get the crop in, it's time to get the crop in, right? And man, you better get to it. Why? Because you got a window. You don't want it too green. You don't want it too dry. You don't want to lose it. You want to, don't want to wait for some weather conditions to come through and, and mess up your harvest and mess up your crop. 
when it's time to harvest, it's not time for naps. Now let's read these verses again. Verse 4 and verse 5. King James is fine. What happens if you slack? That's how you can become poor. If you're diligent, you get up early as you need to, you stay after it long as you need to, late as you need to, that makes you rich. That kind of thing makes you rich. Verse 5, he that gathers in summer is a wise son. Does one verse have anything to do with the other verse? Certainly, it's talking about the same thing. When it's harvest time, it's time to be diligent. It's time to roll out. It's time to make hay. While the sun shines, get while the getting's good, right? Because why? We got this opportunity. We got this available to us. We've got a lot of church going, offering giving, confessing people that are ignoring this whole side of this. All they know to do is give another offering and make more confessions. And month after month and year after year. And they're not reaping what they should be reaping. And they're not experiencing the miraculous provision that they should be experiencing. Because they're waiting on God to harvest it for them. They believe harvesting is not their responsibility. It's God's job to get it to me. And it's all automatic. No farmer believes that. Everybody knows. Whether it's wheat or corn or oranges or tomatoes. Everybody knows. You don't wait on God to pick your fruit. You don't wait on the Lord to start your tractor and go get it for you. Hmm? <laughs> Y'all going to be okay with this. Okay? Huh? If we've been doing something wrong, do you want to know? Or do we just want to go on without results? No, if I'm wrong, if I've been ignorant, if I've been mistaken, I want to know. And I want to know tonight. I want to know now. So that I quit banging my head against the wall, doing the same dumb thing and expecting to get some new result. If you want something different, you got to do something different. Surely we don't think we have arrived at understanding all these things. Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. The more you learn, the less you see you know. And oh man, that's, I'm seeing that more every day. I, I have the sense that we are, thank God for the life that we've gotten. But I have the sense that we are so ignorant about these things. We've known so little. Thank God though for what we've seen. Much of the church world still is fussing about if it's God's will to even bless you or do anything for you or not. At least we've got over that hurdle. We, we believe that. Right? And much of the church world don't even believe in sowing and reaping. We believe in that. At least the sowing part. <laughs> is it possible to sleep right through a harvest? We're talking about not your opinion, not mine, Scripture. Do we read Scripture? 
Look at Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. Ecclesiastes 11. When you sense or you experience, like we've already have in the first part of the service here, that quietness, that hesitancy, it's a good thing. Because it means we're learning something. We need to make changes. We need to adjust. If all we ever hear is what we already knew, and there's no change involved, how are you going to move forward? How are you going to develop? How are you going to grow? Say it again. Teach me, Lord. I want to know. I'm willing to change. I know. I don't know everything. I know. I know so little compared to what you know. Thank you for teaching me. Amen. Thank you for teaching me. In Ecclesiastes 11, and I believe it's the fourth verse as well, Ecclesiastes 11:4. what does it say? He that observes the wind shall not sow. He that regards the clouds shall not reap. God's word translation says, whoever watches the wind will never plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will never harvest. Think about it. Are there folks that miss opportunities to sow because to them it's not a good time? They got this going on, they got that going on, and they got this bill, and the kids need that, and insurance coming up. And The Lord dealt with them to sow, but they get to looking at all this stuff and decide, well, no, I can't right now. It's not a good time. You know, we've been walking with the Lord for... You know, in the ministry for 30 some years, and the Lord, we've sown many offerings, many seeds. Not one time has the Lord ever asked me, Keith, is this a good time? <laughs> and He never will, because He already knows everything about the situation. And, you know, people think, well, yeah, but you, you know, uh, they have this idea of maybe what you got this or you got that, and your life is not like that. Oh, you, you don't have a clue. Everybody that walks with the Lord has to walk by faith. And that means there's a whole lot of stuff you don't see. You don't know how it's going to work. But you just have to trust him. But you get to looking at the wrong things. And you will miss opportunity after opportunity to sow. You will wait for a better time. And when you have more. And when we get this done. And when we get this paid off. And we get the kids through school. And we do that. Then we're going to do more for the kingdom. No, you're not. It'll never happen. Well, uh, yes, it would. No, it won't. Because the Lord says if you're not faithful in the small thing, you wouldn't be faithful in the big thing. And if you won't obey him with $20, you would not obey him with 200000 That's what he said. People like to think, well, if I had more, I'd do more. No, you wouldn't. According to Jesus, you'd do exactly the same thing with $2 million that you do with 200 And if you won't obey with one, you wouldn't obey with the other. So you won't get the opportunity. Oh, but good news, if you will obey, come on now, if you will obey with the 200, you'll get a chance to find out what you'll do with 2,000. And if you'll obey with that, you'll get a chance to find out what you do with 200,000. Come on, and it it can just keep going. But the point where it gets too big for you and you choke and you get to looking at the wind, then you won't sow. But that's just part of it. Didn't he say the very same thing about reaping? Yes. 
Read the rest of it. This is God's word translation. Whoever watches the wind will never plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will never harvest. Is it possible to get to looking at the wrong thing and not reap? Even after you sowed. Is reaping automatic? It is not. This answers so many questions. There are people that believe in prosperity, believe in sowing and reaping, but they're against certain things uh, because they say they haven't seen them. Some people are against so-called hundredfold, for instance, because they say, well, I've never, you know, I've never sown uh, $10, $100 and saw a hundredfold return on that. Well, I have. And well, I haven't. So because you haven't, that means it's not true. But now put this together. These same people believe that it is nothing to them whether the harvest comes in. They're just waiting on God. And if he wants them to have tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold, hundredfold, it's up to him. Can you see why they would never experience a hundredfold? Because they're waiting on God. And they believe it's up to him. This is the same thing most of the church world believes about healing. It's up to him whether I'm healed or not. It's the same thing most of the church world believes about being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. It's up to him. But this is not true. Come on, think about it. God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything on the principle of seed time and harvest. And every seed, the amazing miracle. I mean, I want you to every time you see a seed or hear about a seed, I want you to think miracle, miracle, miracle. This is a miracle, isn't it? He gave you and me the understanding to know we got to plant seed, whether it's for corn or something spiritual. He gave us seed in our hand. He gave us opportunity to plant the seed. He makes it grow. We don't even know how. He, si- he shines on it with the sun. He rains on it with the water. And that's not enough for us. We want him to get it in too. Is there nothing we're supposed to do? We must sow by faith. And then we wait by faith. And then at the proper time and season and place, we must reap by faith. faith. And faith without works is dead. If you're slack and you won't do anything but give offerings and lay on the couch and make confessions... There's scripture that says you will be poor. Did you hear me? But if we'll learn how to be led by the Spirit of God, the Lord of the harvest, whether it's in our natural things or whether it's for souls to be reaped, he will cause us to know Maybe we sowed seed and maybe we've been standing and making our confessions and believing God for months or for two years or five years. And we'll get up one morning and the Lord will prompt us, it's time to reap on that. It's time to reap on that. And we, we, that's when it's time to change the oil in the tractor. 
and put new plugs and check the tire pressures right and, and get your hat out and make sure everything's ready to go. And then he'll deal with you. Okay, go over there today and do this and do that and do the other. And that's when it's time not to just lay around and make confessions. It's time for your hand to be diligent. And there's something you will have to do. And when you do it, it won't just be successful. It'll be supernaturally successful. And you'll get more in than you could have ever tried to get by your effort and your work alone. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And you'll, really, and you'll be able to say, this was a harvest. Look at this. Yeah, I did some stuff. I was involved in it. But this was a harvest. This is supernatural. Look how much came in. Look how much we got for that. Look how much we got paid. But you didn't, it didn't just all come in while you sat at the house and made confessions. Is it possible to sleep through a harvest? It is. Is it possible to get to looking at the wrong thing and not plant? And in the same way, get to looking at the wrong thing and not reap? The basic uh, English Bible, the BBE, says he who is watching the wind will not get the seed planted and he who is looking at the clouds will not get in the grain. The New Century Version says those who wait for perfect weather will never plant seeds. If you're waiting for the perfect time in your life, <laughs> everything's paid for, you got everything you want, and there's nothing else to do really but giving this offering. It won't happen. The enemy will see to it that enough stuff comes up that you're always waiting for some better condition. And you don't realize it, but you're putting off your prosperity. You're delaying it. Another week or another month or another year. It's like one more night with the frogs. When the Lord asks you, when do you want to be delivered from the frogs? You don't say tomorrow. You go now. When the Lord's directing you, sow this, believe this, step out for this. You don't say, well, let's pray about it. Look, at that's like saying, I want to be poor another year. No, I'm in no rush to get out of debt. <laughs> I just want to live hand to mouth for a while longer. <laughs> How many think you ought to obey the Lord? Amen. Quickly? Yes. Huh? Yeah. Promptly? Amen. Fully? And then that's how you'd get results. Quickly. Promptly. I mean, think about this. Uh, the law of sowing and reaping works in this area too. If somebody's believing for something, and the Lord deals with you to sow it to them, and you meander around for a week, and two, and three weeks, and they're standing and believing, and the Lord's got a plan here. He wants you to be the one involved for numerous reasons you don't even know, right. among which is setting yourself up for a harvest down the road, yes. but it could involve relationships and ministry and eternal reward that you don't even know about, but he will wait as long as he can to keep the original plan, but he has a responsibility to them. He can't just let them go under because you won't obey God. So if it gets to the point, he will use somebody else and you will miss out. 
But if you're standing and believing for something and you needed it this morning and the Lord's dealing with somebody to bring it over to you, what do you want them to do? Huh? Sleep on it? Go on vacation and forget about it? Hmm? Then you ought to sow the way you want to reap. Sow and obey and give in the manner you want people to respond when it's your time to receive something. There have been times, and I I won't say that I've always done this perfectly because I'm sure I hadn't, but there have been times that the Lord would deal with me about something, maybe something that I had that was nice, that I liked, and the Lord dealt with me to sow it to them. I mean, at the moment that I know that's Him, I don't like having it anymore. It's not mine. And I don't need their stuff. I'm not, you know, I got what I need and I don't need to be uh, slack. Hadn't he mentioned slack already? I don't need to be slack. I need to be diligent. And if it's theirs, I need to get it to them. If it's that ministry's money, we need to get it to them. If it's no longer my car, it's their car. If it's no longer my clothes, it's their clothes. Well, I don't need their stuff in my garage or my closet. It's theirs. Let's get it to them so they can enjoy it. If it's something you've been standing believing for for two years, you want somebody to put you off another couple of weeks for no reason at all? No, you don't. So sow and obey in the manner in which you want to reap. You believe in God? You believe in sowing and reaping? Is reaping automatic? Why would we think it is? Certainly not that way in the natural. Why would we presume it's that way spiritually? When he gives us the natural example of sowing and reaping to teach us about spiritual sowing and reaping. In passage after passage, he compares the two. Doesn't he? Let me give you some scriptures to establish us more in this truth that we're talking about right now. Go to Jeremiah, the fifth chapter. I want us to take a little time and establish ourselves. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by his words. And if you've thought wrong for a while. You, you, you don't need to go out of here thinking this is my idea. Something I came up with. You need to see this in the word. Or else not accepted. Now we've already looked at scriptures. That said very plainly. You can sleep through harvest. You can get to looking at the wrong thing. And not reap your harvest. Here's some more. Jeremiah 5. And 24. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that gives rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserves unto us the appointed weeks of harvest. The Young's literal translation, author of the Young's Concordance, he said the appointed weeks of harvest, he what? He keeps for us. That's for us. Sowing is for us to do. Harvest is for us to do. Skip down to the, uh, to you were there in Luke, but let's look at Mark. Oh, I'm still moving too fast. Drop by Psalms 104 on your way. Psalm 104, 27. He talks about how God meets needs. He said, these wait all upon thee that you may give them their meat in due season. When are we able to reap? 
not before due season. You can't go out and reap tomatoes until they're on the vine. You can't produce the tomato. That's the part that is God's responsibility. But you can pick the tomato. Certainly you don't expect God to pick the tomato for you. Do you? Everybody knows, right? I picked a tomato. There would be no tomato except God had created tomatoes. Tomatoes would never have existed. You know, once just on a regular basis, I look at the creation and marvel. Phyllis was showing me some pictures of some bulldog puppies the other day. Who ever thought of making a bulldog? God, that's in him. He saw that and he thought, this will be great. Watch this. Bulldog. (laughs) Tomatoes came out of God. And bananas. And oranges and string beans and watermelons. He said, watch this. Red, juicy, big. So we take all this for granted because it's always been around. Long as we've been here, it was here before we got here. But there was a time when none of this was here. This all came out of God. And the reason why thousands of years later we can still eat ice cold watermelon is because of those little black things you spit out. Because in those little things is watermelon. It's in there. Isn't it amazing? It's in there. It's a miracle. But when we take this amazing thing God has given us and we put it in the soil, which is amazing that we didn't create, and this seed does its thing, and the vine spreads all over and the watermelon grows and grows and grows and and it's ripe. Now, we don't sit at the house and cry because God didn't bring us the watermelon. Do we? Come on. He gave us the seed. He gave us the ground. He made it work. Do we really expect him to do everything for us? We know we can go out and get that watermelon. That's something we can do. Actually, it's a privilege. He's allowed us to do this. He's allowed us the privilege and responsibility of sowing and the privilege and responsibility of reaping. Both are ours. He's done everything else, but he's given that to us. And it's great. It's a privilege to be in the power position of having the seed in your hand. And knowing it's totally in your choice and in your will. Nobody's making you do this. And you obey him and you release that good seed into good ground. You could do something else with it, but you didn't. And then whenever things ripe, you get to go and thump it. (laughs) Cut it. Pick it up. Take it. That's in your power. That's in our power. Can you see that? Psalm 104.28 That you give them, what happens? They gather. He gives, we gather. 
Say it out loud. He gives. gives. We gather. gather. Who gathers? God gathers. No. What does he do? He gives. Who gathers? We gather. Don't let this be too simple for you. This is key to you and I coming into levels of abundance we have not experienced yet. Say it again. He gives. We gather. He said you open your hand and they are filled with good. The reason we we have something to gather is because he opened his hand. Come on now. He, He opened his hand. He rained on us. He increased it. He caused our little seed, our little one seed, two seed, three seed to turn into 495. It is the the power of the blessing to multiply and increase. He opened his hand. He blessed it. He multiplied it. He increased our sowing. But he doesn't Harvest it for us. He doesn't reap it for us. He doesn't gather it for us. Do you remember his first covenant people that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage? And they're, they're, they're you know, in a position to starve out there in this dry, barren wilderness. And he rains angels' food, manna, right out of the sky daily. Now you talk about spectacular supernatural provision. Somebody said, you expect it to just fall out of the sky? It did. It just fell out of the sky. Get this now. They still had to leave the tent and go out and pick it up. Didn't they? They couldn't just stay in the tent and make confessions. And wait on God or his angels to bring it to them, to the tent. He even gave them instructions on how to do it and how not to do it. Why? Because the gathering is our job. The gathering, the reaping, the harvesting. He enables us to do it, but we must do it. And we should be diligent in doing it. Thank you, Lord. Go on over now then to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark chapter four. I know sometimes people are not too excited about some of these thoughts because they think, you mean I'm responsible for something else? (laughs) Actually, yes. But it's great news, right? Because it answers some questions as to why some things haven't already happened. Or happen in a certain way. And we must beware of taking a truth and making it the truth. The only truth. We must beware of taking a truth and making it the only truth. Think about what would have happened with Jesus during the temptation if all he had known was a truth. If all he had known was they'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. If that's all he had known and he thought that was the only truth. Then when the enemy told him that, jump off because this is true. 
what would you have had to counter it or modify it? There was another truth, right? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And it made all the difference in what he did and didn't do and how he responded and the outcome of the whole situation, didn't it? Well, it is true that you sow good seed in good ground. And that's how you get multiplied and harvest. It is true that you make good confessions over it. But is that the only truth? Is that all there is to the whole area of life, of our financial and material provision and, and sowing and reaping? No, it's not all there is to it. We've learned some things about sowing. We've learned some things about confession. Do you suppose we could learn some more things about harvesting, about reaping? Faith comes by hearing. Could your faith get all stirred up and and just begin to soar and learning how to lay hold of the harvest? Learning how to be led. Learning how to show up at the right place at the right time. And know the right thing to say and the right thing to do. And it'd be like dominoes. One affect the other. And the next thing you know, you got this great big pile of money. Maybe God don't want me to have it. That's you not knowing him. And that's the problem with most of the church world. Just like what we're talking about on responsibility to reap. There are even parts of people that go to church that believe it's up to him whether anybody is born again and saved or not. There's quite a few people that believe that. Can you see the subtlety of the enemy in trying to relegate everything to God? It's up to him. It's up to him. Whether I reap a hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirtyfold or no fold, it's up to him. It's up to him whether I'm healed or whether I die at 23 with some terrible disease. It's up to him. It's up to him whether I ever know anything about the gifts of the Spirit and speak in tongues. It's all up to him. It's up to him. It's up to him. It's all up to him. Is it now? Is it? Is it up to him whether everybody on this planet is born again or not? Is it all up to him? Are the people lost really waiting on him to be born again and saved? No, they're not. But millions of people think if there is a God, then it's not it's out of our hands. He's sovereign. They don't even know what that means. (laughs) Just a big word they can act wise about. No, it is not all up to him. He is almighty. He does know the end from the beginning. He is all powerful and everywhere. And in his wisdom and in his power, he has ordained that some things be up to us. And you can't leave up to him what he left up to you. You can't tell him, well, Lord, it's your move, and he's already told you it's your move. I mean, how would a game of checkers even ever be completed? <laughs> if you tell him, well, it's your move, and they go, no, it's your move. Well, Lord, I'm waiting on you to move. Well, you're silly because you haven't moved yet, and it's your move. And I know that sounds silly, but that's many Christians on the earth waiting on God to move, and he's waiting on them to move. 
And so nothing happens. Nothing happens. And folks develop all these goofy theological explanations. Well, we just don't understand. Boy, you said some truth right there. But one of the things that people don't understand is that we have responsibility. We must come and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're not waiting on him. We must come and confess him as Lord. And he was ready before you did it. Right? We must receive our healing by faith and yield to the Spirit. We must receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and yield our tongue by faith. We must sow seed and we must reap by faith. You believe it or not? He gives, we gather. Say it again. He gives, I gather. Question is, what kind of gatherer are you? Are you a good gatherer? Are you a diligent gatherer? Somebody say, I'm a good gatherer. I am good at gathering. (laughs) I believe there must be a generation that excels in reaping. Because one is hooked to the other. Somebody says, well, what about the harvest? That's what we're talking about. If you don't know how to reap little stuff, you don't know how to reap big stuff either. If you don't know how to reap natural stuff, nor do you know how to reap spiritual stuff. It's the same principle. And people mock us and accuse us of being materialistic and every other thing because we're talking about how to believe for your car, your house, or your stuff. But listen, that is spiritual kindergarten. And when you learn how to exercise faith in those principles, he will take you on to larger things that have eternal impact and show you how to use the same principles to believe for the harvest in a community or in a city. Come on, are you listening to me? Or in a state or in a country. But don't kid yourself that you don't even know how to reap to pay your electric bill. And yet you got all this faith to reap the spiritual harvest. Don't kid yourself. That's just not true. It's not true. Read Luke 16 carefully. If you have questions or wonder about what I just said in that. Read it carefully. And you'll see that principle repeated. Did you find Mark 4? Mark chapter 4. Verse 26. Mark 4 and 26, he said, Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God. He said, this is how the kingdom of God is. This is how it works. This is how it operates. It's as a man should cast seed into the ground. Who cast the seed into the ground? Huh? God put the seed in the ground. Angels put the seed in the ground. No. Holy Spirit put the seed in the ground? No, the man, the man. We all know that. And the man should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. And isn't it great that this will still work even though you don't know how? It works. 
And even though it's your job to sow the seed, it is not your job to make it grow. It is not your job to make it multiply or increase. Not your job. Come on, I told you something that was not your job. Are you happy about that? Huh? It's not your job. It is not your responsibility. Verse 28. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. The ground you sow into, God has made that ground so that it and the seed cause the multiplication. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. And we know that as a usual thing, depending on what you're talking about, that does not happen overnight. As a usual thing, it doesn't even happen in a week. Which is why we're encouraged not to be weary in well-doing because in due season. Verse 29. But when the fruit is brought forth, when it has come, blade, ear, full corn in the ear, you got the full harvest there in the field, when it is brought forth, what happens? Immediately, he puts in the sickle. Who puts in the sickle? Who? Who's he? He is the same one that sowed the seed. He is the same one that went to bed and got up and didn't know how it was working. He, who puts in the sickle? Does God put in the sickle? No. When the harvest is ready to be reaped, who puts in the sickle? The same one that sowed the seed. He puts in the sickle. Why? Because the harvest has come. The harvest has come. Somebody say he puts in the sickle. He sowed the seed. He puts in the sickle. Now go to Luke 5. I think we'll get more out of it now. Because we went the long way around. Picked up some more scriptures. Established us more in what we're believing. Not my idea, not your idea. His word. Luke 5, and I want us to uh, begin at the, at the first verse of the, the chapter here and see a perfect example of what we're talking about and looking at. Luke 5 and verse 1. It came to pass... That as the people pressed upon him, pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. The word press means they're pushing him. They're touching him and pushing him. Huge crowd of people. Too many people to get in the temple. And they're all outside here by the lake. Verse 2. He saw two ships. Now, that's King James. Really, the word is vessels. These are not ships. (laughs) These are little fishing boats. Two vessels standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, uh, then, and even many places now, they fished at night. Because, you know, you don't have the sun, you don't have the glare, you don't have the fish being able to see you as you throw the net and all these kind of things. So they had been fishing, as we know from later scriptures, all night long. And now, see, they work at night 
So it's time to go home and eat and go to bed and get some sleep and get ready for the next day, next night's work. And verse 3, he entered into one of the vessels, one of the little boats, which was Simon's, and prayed him. He didn't pray. Pray is a, a supplication word. He didn't command him. He didn't tell him to. It's not his boat. Now, can I pause right here for just a moment? People say, well, he's the Lord God. Everything is his. No, not if he says it's not. People say, well, people fuss about tithing and go, well, you know, tithing's Old Testament and I don't believe in all that. Everything I have is the Lord's. That's foolish and that's a cop out. If everything you have is his, then why you still got it? You got his stuff. Which also means you have nothing you can give him. You don't own anything. Nothing is yours. So you can't give him anything. It's not true. It's confusion. It's not true. The tithe is his. He said the tenth is mine. The rest is yours. That way you can have something to give. This was Peter's boat. Elsewise he'd have had nothing he could give the Lord on this day. And so he didn't tell him. He asked him. Prayed the King James says. Can I use your boat? He's tired. He's been working all night. Maybe hungry. Sleepy. It's time for him to go clean up and get in the bed. He works at night. And just because this preacher's all excited. And a bunch of people had gathered on the side of the, the lake. Doesn't mean he's got to be involved in it. And if you look. At the wind, you won't sow. You think he felt like going to a a long meeting? Because sometimes Jesus preached a long time. Sometimes he preached longer than me. Him and Paul too. Right? (laughs) Sometimes uh, Paul preached all night long. Till the sun came up. And then preached some more. And it must not have been just all lightning bolts and, and excitement because one guy fell sound asleep and fell out the window. Right? <laughs> he must have not thought they was having a high hill Holy Ghost time and he fell asleep. <laughs> not everything is spectacular that is amazing and spiritual. Some things, there have been some things I've heard and the setting was not electric it was not amazing and I didn't even realize what I had received at the time years later it came up in my spirit and I thought oh my that is it that's the answer I didn't realize how precious of a thing the Lord had already given me years ago but if it's in there and you heard it he can bring it back to your remembrance he can bring it back out of you which is why it pays not to miss when you're supposed to be somewhere because you don't, you don't even know what you're missing. Because some of it may not even be pertinent right now or next year. You don't know. It just pays to obey. So he prayed him if he could uh, use his, uh, his boat. Verse 3. That he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down. You know this is interesting. Apparently it was very unusual in those days for anybody to stand up. To preach like we do. 
They might stand up and read the word and then they'd sit down. Maybe I need a chair. (laughs) He entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. He prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. Now this is, you can see the people up on the the bank and virtually a um, amphitheater, if you will. And perhaps the lake was smooth and glassy. Elsewise, it could have been a challenge to sit in there and teach. But acting like, you know, how sound will carry over water. And so he's sitting there teaching, and all this crowd is hearing him. And he does it for as long as he did. He taught the people out of the ship. And verse 4, when he had left speaking, when he finished, he said to Simon... Launch this thing out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, I think Peter and the other guys enjoyed this service. I think they did, but I think they're also probably sleepy now. No, they've been working all night. They weren't just out there, so they toiled. They've been working hard manual labor all night long, throwing those nets, pulling them back in. Now he's been in the service half the day. And his stomach's growling. Not only that, but if he gets all his gear out, then before he can go home, he's got to clean it and pack it back up and put it back up for the next night's work. And that's just uh, four hours away. If you look at the wind, you won't sow. And if you look at the clouds, you won't reap. You look at the wrong thing, And it will keep you from sowing or reaping. And if he had refused to obey the Lord, in a few minutes he would have been back at the house asleep. Didn't we read a verse about this? Huh? Sleeping through his harvest. Had to run back. And eat a bite and get some sleep so he could hurry and go back and maybe catch a few fish. And what the Lord wants him to be able to do is get enough fish to not even have to come back to work tonight and take off the rest of the week. But if you don't have time to listen to him, you will never experience supernatural harvest. And you could see how easily he and the rest of them could have missed it. What is his initial response? Come on to think. He has been sitting, listening to Jesus for hours. He has heard the most amazing things he's ever heard. His body's tired, but his spirit and mind is thrilled. And still, His initial response is not to do this. Isn't it something that the Lord too often has to drag us, kicking and screaming, to reap a wonderful harvest that would set us up? But people are too busy. They're too busy. I got to go to work. I got to do that. He knows that. He's got another way. You can labor. You can do it your way till you grow old and die and are not able to do it anymore. 
But there's another way. I said there's another way. There is another way. It is the way of sowing and reaping. It is the way of being led by the Spirit. It is the way of following His direction to the T. And watching miraculous multiplication and provision. It will be different than the prescribed way to do that business. Because nobody wanted to go in the middle of the day when they're tired and their gears put up. But when the Lord, I mean the key to miracles is what Jesus' mother told them at the wedding feast. Whatever he says to you, do it. And we're going to talk about this a lot more, but we will come right back to this. When we're all said and done, how can I harvest like I've never harvested before? Whatever he says to you, do it. Read the rest of it. When he left speaking, he said to Simon, he turned and looked at him. Simon, now this is new to Simon. I guess they just met today. And he asked him, can he use his equipment? They're just strangers. And now after he's been so gracious to let him use his equipment and keep him up half of his sleeping time and eating time and everything else, he wants him to go fishing now. And what does this preacher slash carpenter know about catching fish and you are third generation fishermen? You are in the fishing business. Watch it, watch it, watch it. When you say, now I've been doing this for 20 years. And I know how you're supposed to do this. No, not really. You know about that much in the bottom of a thimble about it. And you got somebody in you. You got somebody in you that really does know everything about everything. He knows what's going on everywhere, what has happened. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and next week and next year. And he loves you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to put something in your pocket. He's trying to get you ahead. But it'll take faith. And he'll tell you things that don't seem to make sense, like fill the water pots full of water. Like go ahead and go back out to fish. What did Peter say? Glory to God, I'm ready to harvest. (laughs) And where you lead, I will follow. Uh Uh-uh. Master, he's polite, he's respectful, but he wants him to understand that he, you know, which he may not know anything about fishing, but we have already toiled all night. We were being nice to stay with you in your meeting half the day here, and you see these droopy red eyes? I need to get home because we've taken nothing. Oh, here it comes, though. Hmm? This is why it's in the book. This is, come on. Nevertheless, at your word, because you said so, I'll do it. Here we go, boys, come on. Get the gear out. Here we go. They're like, oh, man. I said, come here. You work for me. Let's go. 
<laughs> yeah, but we've already done this all night. Doesn't matter. You may have combed the area. You may have cold called. You may have done everything in the world by the book. And in some, if the Lord says to go to the same place that you thought you've already been over. Why? Because when he opens his hand. Oh, come on now. When he opens his hand, the waters change. Where there was none, there's more than enough. Where nothing was going on, now everything's going on. And what was the difference? He opened his hand. Why? Because he multiplies the seed. He's the God who gives the increase. But did he catch these fish for Peter? Did he say, now you boys go go home and go to bed. You've sowed a good seed here with your boat and the rest of it's my job. I'm going to get this harvest in for you. You just go home, praise God, make some good confessions. Uh Uh-uh. I don't think Jesus touched a net. I don't think he touched any tackle, any equipment, because reaping's not his job. He told him, you, you launch this thing. You get those nets out. Right now, right there. Go out where it's deep. That means it's going to take longer. Got to go further. Got to let down more. Take more time. He said, well, Master, we've toiled all the night and we didn't get a thing. But, nevertheless, it's your word because you said so. Because you told me. We'll let down the net. Verse 6. When they had this done, they reaped. Talking about how to harvest. They enclosed a great multitude of fishes and they heard this boing, boing, boing. Nets breaking. Verse 7. And they beckoned to their partners which were on the other ship. Maybe that had been making fun of them for going back fishing in the middle of the day. Hey, hey, come on, come, quick. And they could see the commotion in the water and they could see the net straining and they jumped in their boats and they started getting out there and, and, and they came and they filled both the vessels yes, hallelujah. so that they, both of them, began to sink. Hallelujah. I mean, the boats are sitting way down deep in the water. Water's kind of splashing over the side because you've got so many Fish, this is their business. These fish are money. And we're not talking about 10 or 20 to get us through to the end of the month. We're talking about cars paid off or chariots, as it were. Chariots, houses, equipment, if they had any payments on their boat. We're talking about stuff paid off and extra time for the wife and the kids. Vacation, Disney World, or whatever it was. Jerusalem World. (laughs) New sandals for the kids. (laughs) This is money. This is substantial money. 
Somebody say net breaking. breaking. Ship sinking. sinking. Too many fish. You know what limited that catch that day? Only their capacity to embrace it. If their boats had been bigger, if their nets had been bigger and stronger, if they'd had another three or four boats, you understand what I'm talking about? They got everything they could carry out of the same spot they had toiled fruitlessly all night long. Why? They sowed a seed, their time, their stuff. For the, they put the ministry first, didn't they? They put the kingdom first to help get the word out. Word senders, weren't they? Helping Jesus send the word out to this crowd on this day. And I mean, as soon as he got done speaking, he said, all right, launch. Get those nets down. Oh, hallelujah. What if he couldn't have talked Peter into this? What if he'd have told Jesus, well, I know you mean well, but, you know, I'm tired and I need to go to the house because I got, I got to go work in just four or five hours here. Looking at the wind, looking at the clouds, leaning to your own understanding, locked into your own ability to produce. Friend, this is not coincidence. This is not chance. The Lord's been telling us that he's bringing us into the best shape of our lives. This is how it happens. He wants to teach us a higher way of living and operating than nickel and diming everything. Come on, are you listening? Than eking out every dollar by the sweat of your brow and barely. We read a while back about working an hour and getting paid for a day. Didn't we read that? Man, that's blessing. I worked two hours about a month or so ago and got paid for a year. Didn't we, Phyllis? Glory. I do not claim to be worth that. (laughs) No. But I will receive it. Because I can do more with it. It puts me in a different position. And you. Are you willing for the Lord to teach you another way? A higher way? A better way? How to harvest supernaturally. Stand on your feet everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you Father. Thank you Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Oh, let's give him thanks. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory, Lord. We worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. 
For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.